This week's episode of the Cincy Shirts Podcast is brought to you by our partners at Gold Star, who figure into this week's episode. Check out our entire collection of Gold Star apparel at cincyshirts.com. Click on the Partners tab, drop-down menu, and select Gold Star Chili, Gold Star Chili, Small Batch Chili, and Handcrafted Hamburgers. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO-FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 99. Today on our show, it's the best of 2019, volume 1. So what we've done is we've gone through all the episodes from 2019 and picked out some choice nuggets from each, and we're kind of reliving the great moments and or letting you know what you might have missed, and then you can go back and listen or re-listen to those episodes if you so desire. And if you've been liking the podcast, you can support it by PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and kick in whatever you feel is fair. Also, as always, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Uh, we've got a lot of clips to get to, so let's get started and roll through these. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from the INCINNATI. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in So we start off with episode 47. It's Danny and Katie from Holtman's Donuts, who, by the way, are so cute you could just eat them up. And uh, they're talking about how they met. It's a cute story. We met through friends. And he was seeing somebody, and then we were in this, th- those friends that we met through, and we were in their wedding, and we walked down the aisle together, and he was following me around that wedding, even though he was seeing somebody else, following me Danny. around the wedding. I know, right? Uh, like she a, makes it Katie's the home record. It was pretty bad. I didn't, know, I didn't know at the time. I thought he was just being weird. I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? He keeps following me. He followed me around. He's like, what are you doing now? I'm like, I'm going to put the bride's necklace upstairs. Do you need something? Like, I, you know, we'd met a few times, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything more than that. And um, so, you know, a week after I saw that uh, he broke up with his girlfriend after that wedding, and then it was my birthday, and then at my birthday party, he kept asking if I wanted to go get coffee. I'm like, right now we're all drinking. What do you, right now? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, it's my birthday party. We're, we're not going to go get coffee right now. So then he, we went out on our first date and he didn't pay for anything. So, <laughs> so okay. the same mutual friend. Here's the thing. I know. Friends that hooked us up told me she's a strong-willed woman and she'll get upset if you buy anything Ooh. for her. So Which I've never heard of myself. I know. Basically. Like, they told him I was an independent person. And I was, yeah, sure. But, I mean. <laughs> I didn't want to mess it up. So, so I left. I'm like, I guess I left. I left. I like that. Yeah. I left I the tried. date thinking it wasn't a date. We were just hanging out. And then it was after that we hung out. And at the end of the day, she jumped out of my car. I did not jump she out. It was like 2 o'clock in, in the morning. We went to, <laughs> we went to Sitwell's <laughs> afterwards. And we were at Sitwell's to 2 a.m. just talking. And... I didn't know it. I, like I didn't know much about him, so that was, you know, that's how that started. We had Rich Wahlberg on, and he had a couple of funny stories. Uh, one about his early days in radio, uh, dealing with a newscaster and being kind of. That's followed by a funny story about our old friend Willie Cunningham from WLW. Enjoy. And so this one particular news person that was there, when I was the intern, I was very naive, and he would always say, "I'm going downstairs for a little bit." Um, <laughs> 
if I'm not back, do the newscast without me. And so there was always that fear that he wasn't coming. He always did show back up, but it took me the entire internship to realize he was going to the bar. Not to the sales right. he would, floor. <laughs> he, would, he would write his newscast, go down to the bar, and then come back and do the newscast. So My favorite phone call from Bill Cunningham. Actually, I called him. Because <laughs> there was some guest he wanted. I was calling him to, to tell him. And he, he tells this story on the air. This is from the other side, though. I call, and he's like, yeah, yeah, we should do that. And I'm like, you all right? He's like, Gretch, yeah. I, I, I'm on the roof of my house. I'm like, <laughs> okay. I, I, I got on a ladder and climbed up here to get something, and now I'm, I'm afraid to get back down. <laughs> what should I do? <laughs> I was like, I, Bill, I'm you know 30 minutes away. I have no idea what... You know, is the ladder still there? Yeah, but but I'm afraid to get to the ladder. Willie would he'll tell this story much better. <laughs> I remember that. But uh, he had to call the fire department and have them <laughs> come get him off the roof of his house. And it was like I when I heard the full story on the air, I was like, I was part of that. That was fun. <laughs> <coughs> what what should I do? Man, but on he, sunscreen. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I hear the callers that make it through on, like, Sports Talk and, oh, yeah. and 700. I can't imagine what the ones that don't make it through, what those people are like. Well, and then you have – it's much better now, but there was a time when the Hot Stove League, yeah. it was when it was Marty and Joe, yeah. and Marty was yeah, like, all right, uh, Sam from West Virginia. What do you got, Sam? Marty? <laughs> yeah, Sam. Uh, you're, really, you're really good. <laughs> right, and the, hey, Joe? Yeah. Man, thanks for all the years. <laughs> okay. You got a question? Yeah. Um do you do you guys like you like each other? Yeah, it was just just Mo and I would listen to those shows together. It was for an hour probably. If you ever I know you've had Mo on in the past. If you ever have him back, ask him about how he used to call into the show from down the hall as other people oh. and for a long time it wasn't known that he was calling it why not jim day used to call into the banana phone <laughs> yeah. as like a regular guy my former editor john fox stopped by uh he's now the editor of cincinnati magazine and he discussed uh what it was like finding an investor when he first started city beat with his partner dan bockreth the but the missing thing was the money part of it which i'm sure you guys have dealt with too so what I decided was I need, we needed a third partner who would be the money person. What I thought the kind of person I was looking for, I didn't have anybody specific in mind, but what I was looking for was somebody who would be into the arts because City Beat would cover the arts, you know, and, and there's plenty of people with money who give money to the arts and support the arts. So I figured I could find somebody that way. And then somebody who would be, you know, hopefully a Democrat or liberal politically, because that was going to be our political point of view, or at the worst, just not like a Republican, you know, who was like an active Republican. <laughs> Somebody who was maybe like apolitical, like, I don't sure. care, you do whatever you want to with your little newspaper. <laughs> um, just tell me and what just, I just wouldn't, yeah, But just, you know, wouldn't like say, no, you've got to be conservative or anything like that. So a couple of people helped me um, contact some folks and the second person we had lunch with was Tom Schiff, who at that point, his family, well, his family still runs Cincinnati Financial and Cincinnati Insurance. They're in the insurance business. But Tom had started Lightborn Video, I think, two years before that. And he also was on the board at the Art Museum and the Contemporary Arts Center. And one of the things that I, the only thing I really knew Tom uh, about Tom was during the Maplethorpe 
uh, ex- exhibition. He was on the board at the Contemporary Arts Center, and all of the sponsors dropped off because they were all pressured to drop off. And if you ever see a poster, and I have one at home still, a poster of, you know, Maplethorpe, whatever it was, what was it called? The Shining Moment or the Something Moment, Perfect Moment. Maplethorpe, the Perfect Moment, Contemporary Arts Center, 1990. There's one sponsor logo at the bottom of the poster, and it's Lightborn. Wow. And Tom didn't bail. He was the only one who didn't bail. And he sponsored That's fascinating. Maplethorpe. Yeah. I, rem- I remember the story. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, yeah. you know, I was too, I guess, too young to yeah. care about the arts and stuff. Right. But I distinctly remember it being such a huge yeah. deal and on the news. The Gorilla Glue folks stopped by. And uh, I didn't really think about this, but of course, you know, they have a gorilla as their logo. And we wondered if they ever got any uh, flack about uh, Harambe being from Cincinnati and all that kind of thing. And, uh, well, this is what they told us. Yeah, we we felt a little bit of it. I don't think it affected business so much, but we definitely see trolls. We still see trolls. Um, in fact, I was driving here and someone had a Harambe sticker on their car. It's still a thing. Yeah, so we definitely get comments on YouTube. I mean, YouTube has trolls for everything. Yeah, um, yeah But we get a lot of Harambe <laughs> comments and questions about... I was wondering about, if you would make the, the Cincinnati oh, connection. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's like a known thing that it's a, a Cincinnati brand. We definitely had some some memes pop up and things like, well, that's convenient. Glear's Getta stopped by. Everybody loves Getta. It's a Cincinnati thing, of course. And uh, Darren asked if uh, there were any chefs that had ever uh, been sent Getta and if they've ever made any recipes with it on their uh, TV cooking shows. I'll tell you, with all the demonstrations that we've done, the out there with the with our mobile kitchen and feeding in some cases thousands of people at a time carrie and his crew working that grill really know how to fix get it because you do it right everybody's happy you do it wrong you got a mess (laughs) (laughs) you guys ever uh send some to like bobby flay or Emeril Lagasse, some celebrity chef, and see what uh, they could whip up with it? You know, we have had some situations. Uh, there was a big uh, food show in New York that actually contacted us and said, Chopped. you know, we've heard about this this product, and we want some of our chefs to take a look at it, and they loved it. I mean, it, it, um, who's the Jean Robert Jean here Robert in Cincinnati? Here in Cincinnati. He, he was doing a, a get a burgers at his restaurant. I mean, they, they love the product, the taste, the uniqueness of it. 50 bucks a Just pop really really um it, you know excites a chef because there's so much they can do with it the versa so versatile that they can use it in so many different ways something makes a get a big boys we had them in oktoberfest yeah yeah yeah, yeah they do yeah. they do a, a get a big boy yeah recommended if you can find whoever it is they're very tasty <laughs> get a balls what else uh yeah, oh, like what else can you do with oh, yeah. the, the meat when get you get it home dog. other than just cut it up and well, fry it? Well, up. what's cool about it is you can use it anywhere you would use a ground meat. Greg William is a big wrestling announcer. Stop by. Josh and Darren were very excited to uh, talk to him. And uh, we asked him if uh, kind of he ever knew in advance what was going on during the matches or before the matches. I don't mind telling you this. I have no clue who is coming down the aisle at Royal Rumble. That's awesome. I have no clue. Not only do I have no clue who's coming, I don't know who's in it. Yeah. I have no clue. So we have to announce the first two entrants. Like the ring announcer announces, you know, we go over the rules and then introducing our first entrant and then second entrant. I have no clue who that is. So I'm praying. 
I'm like, God, I hope it's somebody from Raw or SmackDown. It's not, you know, some actor or something that I'm going to have to, I have no, no nothing about. Um, so I have no idea. I have no clue. Because well, they the kind of did that in Saudi Arabia. They were, they, were, they were putting out guys like from China and like a sumo star. That, yeah, the know, greatest Royal Rumble. Nobody knew, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah like Babatunde, yeah. who uh, he's actually an NXT developmental guy, by oh, the way. Cool. He's one of those. Yeah. Uh, he right is, he's great. He'll be a star. Michelle Giblin is a publicist here in town, and she uh, got us a couple of guests, including Pat Berry, who you're going to hear in the uh, part two of the best of 2019 uh, next week. But uh, she has an interesting story of her own. She's had a lot of cool jobs, including one working for La Rosa's, which uh, brought up an interesting question from Josh. Can you tell All us right. why, is the, why is La Rosa's so much better at Kings Island than anywhere else? <sighs> that has been a never-ending question since the '70s, probably or early '80s. I had noticed. Well, that your face tells me. I don't know. Do you agree with that? I feel like yeah, you I've always things are better at Kings Island. Hmm. I don't know. I'm willing you, to try. But I'm, I'm not making that up, right? I could tell by your this reaction is, that that's no, a thing. No, you're not. You're not making it up. Huh. It's the same recipe. It's the same products. It's the same everything else. It's just, you know. There's, there may be a couple of different things at play. I mean, if, if you want to get in the weeds a little bit, because your dine-in experience with La Rosa's, I mean, the goal is to get the dine-in and the delivery experience to be the same. Sure. But it's close to impossible, you know, depending on where you live. Distance, and yeah. Exactly. And, you know, when you're at somewhere like Kings Island, or they also have a franchise location at Coney Island as well, it's just you know it's right out of the oven it doesn't go in a box per se and if it is in a box it's maybe in a box for two minutes before you take it out and start to eat the whole thing you know so it's like all of that time plays into i think plus i mean you got the endorphins going because you just got off a roller coaster right you're with papa smurf and captain caveman (laughs) i mean everything tastes better with them around (laughs) (laughs) it's awesome right so, but you're right. You're you're right. And they. I have, love PFs. I wish people could have seen his <laughs> reaction to that. Of, like, I was trying to recall. We've had we've had, had had it there, and but I don't recall it necessarily being any better than the one on Beachmont. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know how many people I've had that conversation huh. with, but it's, most of the time people are like, "Yeah, it just does taste better there." <laughs> Build on Obedian, the guy that books Bunbury, boy, there was some tea. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about all the venues, uh, you know, that they're building uh, across the river from Cincinnati and uh, in downtown Cincinnati. And, well, uh, Build on Obedian let us know about that. I, and I and if you were reading about the, the venue, you know, the venue that's supposed to take place at the banks. Oh, yeah. You know, that's I was so ticked off about that because it was Scott Steinecker from Promo West. I actually brokered the initial meeting he had with Mayor Cranley and Willie Carden because he wanted to open a venue down in Cincinnati like he has in Pittsburgh and and Columbus. And they said, you should do it at the banks. So he spends all this time and money, and then the symphony caught wind of it, and they didn't want that because they make money on Riverbend on on that boring, redundant, lame program. Symphony puts that stuff on? Yeah, yeah. And... uh, yeah, they own it. Yeah, they own the, it. The Tafts sold them that chunk of land to build the amphitheater, uh, inspired by Blossom in Cleveland. Yeah. Shout out to Cleveland. Um, well, inspired by every town. So they, uh, they <laughs> the well, Blossom was like the first to do that, and I don't know the other ones are kind of rubbishy concrete. The Columbus tour there is down, but I digress. Yeah. I'm sorry. Anyway. But so, so you know, the symphony st- suddenly starts running around crying, and everyone's, you know, whatever, just saying, you know, we we can't have this. This is going to hurt us. You know, 
we if if someone's good, if there's going to be a music venue, we have to be the the ones that run it. So all these guys on the steering committee, they're all big donors to the symphony, and they just strung Promo West along for two years until the symphony could get their act together and submit a bid. Oh uh, wow! Well. This was in, could you imagine? So here comes a guy. He's fully funded. We could have had a music venue by now, and um, he's already made an investment by buying a majority stake in in Bunbury. And then and then what do we do? We we put together this this whole ruse that the, now it's going out to bid, and it was it we all they always knew who they were going to pick, and the building that they have picked is awful. It looks like a 1970s church. It's just awful. They're not going to do the kind of outdoor programming that. Promo West would have done. Yeah. They're definitely not good at booking. They don't they have no sense of the industry. Roger David from Gold Star Chili, one of our new best friends. Uh, they've been a terrific partner. Uh, do check out their shirts, by the way. Uh, he talked to us about the days of hamburger heaven, which is what Gold Star was before they went to Chile. Uh, you know, my dad and three of his brothers started Gold Star back in the 60s. And uh, I think... Gold Star was probably their third or fourth business that they tried to get into. All the other ones had alcohol involved. There was like a bar and food component. And they realized the bar part wasn't helping things. And so they're like, let's just skip that part and just focus on like a family restaurant. So they ended up with a restaurant called Hamburger Heaven in Mount Washington, Ohio. And with it came a recipe for Cincinnati style chili. They were doing burgers so, at nice. first, though. They followed, yeah, yeah, yeah so. it was burgers and, and, you know, so... And how uh, long before the before they found the recipe? Because I know it's the yeah. Well, when they bought Hamburger Heaven, uh, Chili Recipe came with it. Oh, okay. And, I, I, uh, I the Lord, they found it somewhere. I, yeah, yeah. No, no they, they, okay. everything was born from Empress Chili. So Empress started the whole craze, and then Dixie came about, and Skyline came about, and then Gold Star came about. But in, back then, uh, Empress would make product. Um, and you could open up your own chili restaurant and call it whatever you wanted, and you could serve the Empress product or the Dixie product. Oh. And so uh, this was, I think, a brother-in-law to one of the founders from Dixie opened up Hamburger Heaven, and so they had the recipe from there. Oh. And so they were in the burger business for a while and the chili business, and uh, and then one day they just decided to drop everything else, just focus on Coney's and Three Ways, and, uh, and change the name to gold star and uh where'd that name come from do you it's, know yeah it's actually uh my father is one of 10 children uh and they were raised in jordan which is primarily a muslim country and uh, we were christian arabs from jordan and so they worked in tobacco fields and the premium cigarette brand in, in the middle east was called gold star this was a favorite episode of mine. Matt Bischoff from Survivor stopped by. I always had so many questions about Survivor, and I got them all answered. And uh, Matt had a little bit of tea as well about his experience. Uh, this is from when he first started playing the game he was in, and uh, he tells us about it right here. Yep, you're exactly, what you just said is exactly right. So they woke us up 4 a.m. or something, oh, wow. and, and they basically were like, game starts now. So they, they, they patted everyone down, making sure no one had any contraband. Mm-hmm. And they get us in the vans. They drive us to the ocean. We get on a boat. And they're like, the game is starting right now. So we get on this boat, man. And I remember the sun is rising. I'm on this boat with these like Philippine 
village dudes and my tr it's still no talking right but i'm on i'm on this boat and i there's another boat kind of behind us that's filming the intro mm -hmm. of the show i was overcome with emotion i i remember it vividly i was looking out and, and, and kind of probably had a smile on my face and i almost started just crying out of tears of like overwhelming joy like oh my god like this adventure is starting now. I'm actually playing the game that I've been watching since season one. So it's pretty overwhelming and unbelievable because I'm a huge fan. I was on a I was on fans versus favorites, but here's the bull thing: half my tribe were not even fans. Hmm. So when you apply for Survivor, s some people apply for the show and some people are recruited for the show. Okay, recruited means this. Maybe a casting director sees some, like, super good-looking dude in Santa Monica, California, riding a skateboard or something, and they go up and say, hey, I'm a casting person for Survivor. You look like you'd be great for our show. Here's my card. Let me know. Not uncommon in TV. No. Yeah. A lot of these shows are people that are recruited, and now that I've become part of the Survivor community and have met so many people that have played the game... There's a lot of people that were recruited that were some of the most amazing players. Like Johnny Fairplay, who I do my podcast, Survivor NSFW, with. He was recruited. Now, Johnny was the biggest villain almost of all time, and he is a huge fan now. But he had no clue. When he got cast for his season, he's like, he had watched reality TV and heard of Survivor, but he's like, ah, you're, you know, it's your stupid game, you know, whatever. But, yeah. uh, Half, half the fans tribe on fans versus favorites was recruited people, not true fans. And the reason I'm saying that is when we're riding in this boat and the game is starting, I, when I say I was overcome with emotion, as a fan of this show for so many years, and I'm like, wow, I'm actually going to experience this amazing journey. Some of the people on the boat didn't have that same connection that, let's say, I would. C.F. Payne stopped by. He's a local artist. Uh, you've seen his work uh, just all over the place, really. And uh, he talked about his early career and deciding what he wanted to pursue as far as what he wanted to work on. Do I want to stand in the long line or do I want to stand in the short lines? So I decided, I said, I'm going to stand in the short lines because I'll get the work. And because they're not paying you that much money, they were giving me a lot of creative freedom to experiment and play around with things. And if I were to go through my work, I could show you you know, where work was and then did and, and the evolution. And that's where the real kind of creative growth of my work came was from those experiences in Dallas, seeing the artists like Sean Early and uh, Jose Cruz and Steve Peach and those guys. I mean, you're just seeing this incredible creativity. And and so they that creative energy kind of pushes you. When you're, and that's the other thing I tell students why you want to select your, your friends well because if you surround yourself with creative people it energizes you just naturally oh, if, totally. you're just, if you're just down here and you're hanging out with the dregs you know they just bring you down but when you're around other people and like you said they're the same kind of people I would show my work to and they'd slam me and they'd say what the hell is that yeah <laughs> really really yeah. So, yeah, we're and not going to wow. kiss each other's asses. We're here to make yeah. make good stuff. And it was great, great, great experience. And so 
then I it was in Dallas that I got to uh, meet an art director by the name of Fred Woodward. Yeah. And Fred was art directing a magazine called D Magazine. And this true story. I mean, I'm showing him my, my work. I make an appointment. I show him my work. I go in my, my portfolio. He stands up there. And, like, I got my magazine here or my book here. And he just flips it. And you get to see. We've all had this experience, you know, where somebody's looking at your work. And they're just kind of going. No change of face. There it is. And he turns about four or five pages. and he, Okay, thank you. And you're just like, what just happened? Like that was it. Give what me a sign. What, yeah. what happened here? So I'm walking back to my car in Texas, about 102 outside, higher in hell. I get to my car and about ready to put my key in the, to unlock the door. And I went, what the hell just happened there? That was so rude. I'm going to go back and give him a piece of my mind. I want to find out, what, what didn't you like about me? You could have at least, so I'm walking back to the door. I'm going to go in. I'm going to talk to that man again. Get me back in there. I'm going to talk to him. And I got right to the door. My hand reached for the door, and I went, wait a minute. I made the appointment, didn't I? I made the appointment. I wanted to go in there. It wasn't his responsibility to tell me what I'm supposed to do to be a good artist. Wait a minute, that's on me. Maura and Jenna from the Cincinnati Zoo stop by. You know, there's more to the zoo than Fiona and some of the bigger animals. Uh, there's really little tiny animals that are just as fascinating. One of my favorite behind-the-scenes tours, I'll do a little plug for the our, um, our insect behind-the-scenes tour, which is amazing. Because how often, when you, when you go on the Fiona tour, <laughs> when you go on the Fiona tour, you're not holding Fiona, but when you get to go on oh, an insect anymore. tour, you're holding a millipede. And I know that sounds like, why would I scare myself like that? <laughs> but um, there is a really um, special connection that I think when you can when you can relate to some of the smallest and most important animals in the zoo, you really have an appreciation. I said when Thane was on here yeah. that the one thing at the zoo that I cannot go there without seeing is the ants that go oh, all the way yeah. through the insect house ants. from one yeah. side to the other. That's my favorite thing to see at the zoo. Oh my gosh, if you catch one of the like insect keepers or somebody who's working there to um, kind of make sure everything is going well in the building they know so much about those and as an animal person well obviously there's so many animals i am not an expert on anything but um i i sat there with my mom and my sister for 45 minutes them just explaining us explaining to us this like life cycle and how the ants it's so the leaf cutter ants work it's, so it's insane they're so gardeners and they have nurses yeah they all have jobs and they're so efficient and i don't think i've ever seen it oh my god are you serious I mean, I was, oh my gosh i've had an ant farm this is little, like, i don't think i've seen the just the way that they're like that's the last place yeah. you go bouncing yeah. around each other like excuse me coming through they're so strong yeah they're so strong i highly suggest asking somebody about them i definitely will it's my it's my favorite thing to do I just thought it was funny that you used the insects. Well, I did example. today. I was, I was like, should I be bringing an animal? And then I was like, wait, it's a, it's a podcast. I, I uh, Chris Glee from Lifeborn Communications stopped by and talked about some of the cool things they're doing. You know, I'm I'm 45, so <laughs> I'll just put that out there. So back when I was a kid, like growing up, I was more. I liked like a lot of I don't know, like Tom and Jerry and stuff like that. You know. But I was more into, like, Voltron and Transformers and G.I. Joe, that sort of thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was just more, like, I thought of, like, Disney stuff as being, like, cheesy or corporate. And I was kind of like, because I, I was a skateboarder kid, I was just more, like, eh, anti, 
<laughs> anti-establishment yeah. you know like trying to be you know I know so I got and I was into Japanimation like real early and okay. then now I can't even watch that stuff man it drives me bonkers but <laughs> he loves, he loves now, life. Now, now I watch yeah. Tangled and Frozen <laughs> and <laughs> that's awesome Greg Martini, local musician, uh, writer, uh, I guess the jack of all trades, you would say. You probably best know him as uh, one of the founders of the Rusty Groswalds. You may remember his uh, original man, Birdhouse. And speaking of Birdhouse, he told us a story about how uh, a local chili restaurant, not our partner's Gold Star, uh, might have lifted one of their songs for one of their commercials. Do you remember the whole Skyline thing? No. So one of our songs was Wild Cherry, and for a while there, Skyline which recorded at Sound Images, and I'm not, not saying what happened, but that was kind, of our, okay, that was kind <laughs> of our single. Yeah. And the next thing you know, so Sky of Time still has the with the old Teardrop song. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. They used that for years. Yeah. yeah. Well, right, we, we came out with our CD. We were playing around town, and for like half a year, they had a version of... A new, a new, a new jingle. Hey Skyline, you're still the one. And it was definitely our riff. Oh. And we would actually play our. Gee. We were actually play out in, in in clubs, and at some point, Jeff would go into the Skyline lyrics, and he couldn't miss a beat. Wow. So, so I never talked to the guy in the studio, like you know, wow. did Skyline come in? And he's like, hey, well, I work with this band, and this is kind of a nice little riff, and uh, but uh, yeah, I should try to look that up. That was interesting. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So anyway. So that was a long time ago. Yes, it was. So does that exist anywhere? Is that on YouTube or uh, Wild Cherry videos? Can, uh, you can find that. Yeah, that's, that's still that's still out there, floating around. Yeah, um, definitely. Josh Hooser of Agar stopped by. He's an old friend of Josh's. Uh, they used to run around together when Josh was at NKU, and they uh, they discussed uh, the good old days. The idea that we, we you know we've. You know, we've traveled, we've seen what other cities were doing, and you, you're limited when you go into another space what you can do. So we've never been able to create our own space and actually, con you know, control every and every piece of the environment. Um, and I remember that business plan. We wrote that business plan. I spent a week locked in a friend's apartment, and I've never written a business plan in my life, and I've never written one since then. Like, you know, you have a business plan and perform. That was a yeah. real, you see these business plans of like executive summaries and they're like 45 pages, and you're like, who yeah. spent the time to do that? Yeah. We actually did that on that, in, wow. in that, and wrote every In order element. to get funding? Yeah, and, and went out and, and pitched it, whereas like today, you know, if I, if I do a venue, it's just a financial performer, a theme deck, here's kind of what I'm trying to do. It's just, it's just different. Um, but we did it in we every detail down to it being a, a, a live art gallery that we would auction pieces off every quarter to drive creativity and artists and with these glass model boxes where we had still models that just stood there and the lights would come on and they would show up in this two-way glass boxes and then we just became super creative and it was we just constantly had to keep topping ourselves. We were young, I was twenty-three years old. I owned a nightclub that Condé Nast Travelers said was top nightclub from Boston to Beijing um, in little Cincinnati a year after the riots right in over the Rhine. Jim Scott, the nicest guy in the world, everyone's favorite morning radio personality, uh, he was in and he talked not only about his experiences in radio in Cincinnati, of course, but he also talked about being uh, the one-time owner and later commissioner of the American Soccer League in which the Cincinnati Comets played, and that was an interesting story. But it turned out to be a big hole. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I, I did, 
I did TV commercials and I went around and promoted as much as I could. And, um, but we, we just couldn't make it. So, uh, I borrowed money on my house. Ugh. Uh, so I mean, it, it, just to put things in perspective, I ended up losing, I remember what it was. It was $90,000 and, and I lost all the equity in my home. So when I sold my home and moved to Indiana, I, I, all the money I paid off a loan that I had with the bank. So I didn't owe anybody anything, but it, it, it wow. so, so that, that's what it was. Uh, no, we brought it up. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not, it's not, it, it, but we were ahead of our times. I tell yeah. you one thing, I almost got lucky though. I had a meeting. I went, I never forget this. You know, the name Lamar Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, my best friend, I'm not going to mention him in this, but he's an attorney. He and I went to Indianapolis to the airport and met Lamar Hunt because Lamar Hunt had a couple principals in Michigan that wanted to get into the NASL. Uh, see, Lamar Hunt started, started the, the professional soccer stuff. Uh, uh, and uh, the tournament's they, named after him. The, right, yeah, the, right, yeah, yeah, right, Hunt right, Cup. right. So I met him. Never forget meeting him. You know, all black suit with a long trench coat, and it was sort of like strange. But he was very pleasant, and we met him. And uh, and this these two guys in Michigan wanted an NASL franchise, and so we were talking about them taking over the Cincinnati Comets. E.E. E. Charlton Trejo stopped by. She is a uh, wine newer originally as a, a director of commercials and video. She later became an author, and here she discusses uh, how she helps kids all over the country who may be uh, disadvantaged and kind of helps them uh, with their art and help uh, express themselves. Yeah, so in 2013, um, I'm, Fat NG had come out in March, and in May I was down in Texas. I was kind of doing a little research for something, and an educator friend of mine said, hey, and it's a town also, by the way, that is completely smaller than mine, which is almost like, wow, like 2000 people. And she goes, Hey, listen, I have this kid. He's in my, um, history class. I think was it history. Maybe he's in my class and, um, he doesn't talk to people. He doesn't really engage. He doesn't look up. Um, and he's, he's got some struggles, right? But, um, he's so talented. He's written this story. Would you look at it? So, when you're a writer, everybody says, when you look at it, it's just like when you're a filmmaker, hey, I've got a screenplay, right? Yeah. But, but like, she's an educator, you know, I want to honor that. So, okay, I go and I start reading this story, and it's actually good. This kid is really good. I mean, there's some jumps in time there where I'm like, eh, but he's in school, right? And this kid, I'm saying, I looked at her and said, who's working with this kid? She's like, nobody. Who's going to work with him here? We don't have any resources. How old is he? Um, at the time, he was probably 13. Okay. Is that right? At 13. And so... I said, oh, my God. And she goes, would you be willing to meet him? Well, like, I'm passing through. And I'm like, I sure, I guess. Mike's lot of U.S. playing card came in to discuss, well, of course, U.S. playing cards. And, boy, there's a lot to playing cards. There's more than meets the eye, as it were. And speaking of more than meets the eye, he tells us uh, why magicians prefer their product to uh, any other. Um, but this is, this is what almost every magician today, because it's so recognized around the world, that specific card back. You will see all of the world's best magicians want to use this playing card. The reason being is it gives them legitimacy because right. you play with it. You probably play Euchre or poker or some other social game, right? So you know it. So you trust it. And if you look at, at, at our decks of cards, it says trusted since 1885, right? Nah. So every consumer trusts the card. Every magician trusts the card. 
Bill Whitlow, the proprietor of Rich's Proper Food over there in Covington, stopped by. He's actually from Lexington, and uh, he had an interesting story about Goodfellas Pizza, whom he used to work for, and uh, the whole barstool.com uh, thing blow up, and uh, he told us about it. Most people don't know, he came and he did the review on the one in Indianapolis. Okay. And gave it, if I'm not mistaken, the third highest score he's ever given. Really? Yeah. And this was before Lexington. So he goes wow. to Lexington, I believe for a UK football game, and very late at night, or very inebriated, he visits the Lexington Goodfellas Pizza. And as he's coming outside to give the review, someone basically, one of the managers, I guess, tells him, you can't be filmed, you don't have permission to film out here. And uh, he gives it a 0.0 score. And through the pizza, through the pizza, <laughs> and he just says, "These guys don't know what they've done." <laughs> yeah, and the and then the Yelp it reviews. It was cold. It was the, this and that, and yeah, the was, trolls follow. He very much had a uh, little bit of ego behind that one. It, yeah. it helped them. They, I mean, the yeah. line was out the door at lunch the next day. Our chief designer, Ricky, stopped by the show. Yes, we had one of our own on, and he uh, puts together a retro video game show along with his wife once a year. And uh, he talked about not only that, but about retro video games in general. And uh, But this was a really popular episode. This one got a lot of hits. And well, here he is talking about uh, retro video games and the appeal of some of them. Modern games today, it's like, it's like you know, I, I'm all for it. Like, you know, I, I'm a big fan still. Um, but you mentioned like Fortnite. I mean, yeah, it's a social thing, but it's a different kind of social thing. You know, you're wearing a headset and you're talking to people and you're, you know, organizing it all online. And again, I think that was, again, part of the success of Street Fighter 2 was you, it was a social thing. It was hanging out together at the arcade. You know, and, and, and a lot of games today, too, some of them to me are, are they, they play out more like movies um, than they do like actual tests of skill. Chris Breeden, he's now the uh, owner of Arnold's, the uh, famous bar downtown. His mom retired, so he has now taken over. And uh, he stopped in, and we asked him, of course, uh, about ghosts because, well, everybody loves a good ghost story. And he told us this. So, well, my one ghost story is uh, one time when I was closing the bar by myself. It was back when I was a bartender. I was counting the money, and then in the women's bathroom, there was just a pounding on the door, like, just like that. And there was nobody... Nobody there. So, like, when I, let's say I walked up and I put my hand on the door and I pushed it open and there was nobody inside. And then, boom, bang and stopped. Huh. So, I still don't believe in ghosts, but also, if you work in a place like that, it's a lot easier to not believe, believe in ghosts than be freaked out every single sure. time you step in the door. Yeah, that's true. Charlie Frank from the Reds Community Fund was in, and he, of course, talked about the, the Reds, his love of baseball, but he had this little interesting story, and I'm, I'm a sucker for these kind of things about franchises moving and may, maybe moving and not moving. Well, he used to work for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he had this tale to tell. And our team was terrible, and the broadcasts were literally stand-up comedy. I, mean, I wish I could cue them up and, and watch them with you. I mean, they, they, uh, it, it, it didn't feel like a job at all, and we were traveling, you know, Virtually was at every road game because we broadcast most of the games. So I was leaving Minnesota in the wintertime, which was never a bad thing. Uh, it was such a blast. And then about five years in, there was an ownership change, and it looked like we were going to move to New Orleans. I remember the um, the staff was having some debaucherous party when that whole deal got uh, – when the plug got pulled on that deal, and we ended up staying, and we were sold to uh, a Minnesotan named Glenn Taylor, who still owns the team. 
Tom Gallagher, you may know him better as Tommy G off of the FC Cincinnati television broadcast. Uh, he's a fellow Clevelander like me, and even though he's a little younger than me, I still couldn't resist asking him uh, who his favorite play-by-play guys were growing up. So growing up in Cleveland, who are your guys? Joe Tate, Casey Coleman, yes. uh, Tommy Hamilton. All of them. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm going to be a total to homer right now. Yeah, no, let's do it. Um, because we have the best. I'm sorry. I love, we, I love being we, here in Cincinnati. I, 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 you know, I... I'm a Cincinnatian now. I don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon, but I'm a Clevelander at heart, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a Cleveland native, and, um, you know, I'm a diehard Browns fan, diehard Cavs fan, diehard Indians fan. Browns take the cake of all three. So, um, I mean, certainly Nev Chandler, you know, oh, star. Yeah, and, uh, um, and, yeah um, the late Nev Chandler. Like, I remember. And, Jim and, Mueller. And, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And obviously when I was very young, the Browns were very good. Like yeah. Bernie Kosar, like, I shed tears if he walked in. John Elway walked in, I punched him in the face. Like, it's that easy, <laughs> right? right? Uh, that's just, just because he broke my heart at six years of age. John and Toria from Q102, uh, who may be tied for the uh, cutest couple we've had on the podcast, uh, along with Danny and Katie of Holtman's Donuts, they talked to us about how fans just love hearing about their relationship. And we finish up part one with a taste of Belgium, uh, Jean-Francois. Boy, what a funny story this was, uh, and what a great way to finish up uh, part one of this. Uh, Before he started a taste of Belgium, he would lease out huge waffle irons to restaurants to make waffles, and sometimes people didn't always pay their bills, so... The best (laughs) one was the old Rookwood. I mean, the restaurant is not... They don't... I don't think they exist anymore, or they might be different ownership. Oh, Mount Adams? Yeah. Yeah. So I parked on the side there. I mean, they wouldn't, yeah, the they, their wa- they would, they wouldn't, they wouldn't pay the bills. They were ignoring my calls, etc. But uh, we were still delivering waffles. So I was on, uh, parked on the side of the building. And then I walked into the kitchen. Say good morning, everybody. It was Sunday brunch. Uh, good morning. <laughs> And then I unplugged the waffle iron. I said, waffle 86, which means we're out of waffles. Yeah, 86 And then I waffles. walked out with the waffle iron. <laughs> That's an American thing. I thought, was yeah. it hot? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was hot, but I could grab it when it was yeah. hot. So, yeah, so that was, I guess, the most comical <laughs> repossession. The best of the Cincy Shirts podcast, part one. That was fun, right? And next week, we have clips featuring Pat Berry, whose whole episode really should be a best of on its own. We also have Eddie Fingers, Lauren Worley, Tony Pike, Tom and She, and more. If there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, of course, drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com, and put podcast guest in the subject line. Use that same email to donate to the podcast via PayPal or Venmo. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. If you haven't already, go, of course, back and plunder those Cincy Shirts archives. You heard all the great stuff that we've done. That's just, that was just the first half of 2019, so uh, you dig the rest. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Philadelphia. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia, in fact. You can find all of their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Uh, they have a good new tune out, too, you need to check out, although I can't remember the name of it. It ended up on a lot of people's guest uh best ofs for 2019. I think it's called Chris is the name of the tune. So go find that. Check it out. And then visit our sibling site, oldschoolshirts.com. It's like Cincy Shirts, but for other towns. We have about 20 other cities in there, so check those out. The promo code for this episode is best of 2019. All one word, all lowercase, all uppercase. Doesn't matter. You can you can alternate if you like. Use that to take 20% off your entire cincyshirts.com or oldschoolshirts.com order. You can also use that code in our physical or as we say, brick and mortar stores. Cincy Shirts and OTR, Hyde Park and Lublin. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest NC Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. Cincinnati, you score.
Puxa sempre 